Hello and welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future Is Our Business. The information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. All right, and today I'm excited to be joined by our guest, Dr. Tycho Speaker. Thanks for being here today, Tycho. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute Happy pleasure. And Tycho is here to talk to us about his career working in drug delivery and biomaterials. Now, when I first heard those words, that was very, very foreign and almost frightening to me. So can you tell us what does that mean? And with what company do you do your work? Well, um, the <laughs> what company, as we were just discussing, uh, cha- seems to change almost day to day now. Um, I am currently an AbV Pharma employee um, as of Monday because AbV just finished its acquisition of Allergan Pharmaceuticals. And prior to that, still doing the same job, essentially, I was working for a small, smaller local biotech called Transderm, which was acquired by Allergan. So that's the, the slightly complex answer to what should have been a simple question. In terms of uh, drug delivery and biomaterials, I would say that the answer is really simple, which is basically I'm a cook. And what I cook these days is systems primarily to deliver drugs through the skin. They, those, are, those can be a variety of things. Uh, I've worked on very, an ultra-rare skin disorder where we were trying to control gene expression. I've done personal care formulation where you're just trying to deliver an anti-itch function or um, some other, or just an antibacterial function uh, to be on the outside of the skin. I've worked on sunscreen formulations where you specifically want to deposit material on the surface of the skin and not have it go in. Uh, it can it can be a bunch of stuff. Wow. So obviously an incredibly complicated area to get into, right? So kid, let's go way back. Tell us about some of the some of the schooling that you've had to go through, and you know what what are some important uh, certifications or anything that you've had to put yourself through to help you build the skill set that you need to to do the job that you have today. I think that a lot of the the position I've I've ended up in is a a result of some some happy coincidences and um and generally following my interests which really did start with cooking because I like to cook and I like to eat and my family of origin we cooked a lot at home and I think that gave me an inherent uh, interest in understanding of what oil does compared to what water does um and the the properties of materials and what made things Tastes good. How did you, how did you get that little brown edge on the pancake that tasted so good? And uh, so, those questions were of interest to me. And I would say that really nothing I do today isn't still following sort of the same interests of what materials like to do, what is their natural tendency, and then how can you exploit that? I grew up in one of the the happy coincidences and privileges that I enjoyed was I grew up in a, a family where science was sort of, my father was a medicinal chemistry professor at Temple University School of Pharmacy. 
My mom was chief toxicologist for the city of Philadelphia. So growing up, I had a lot of that vocabulary in my ears, even if I didn't know what a lot of it meant when I was young. Uh, I think that really gave me a leg up when it came to taking my first chemistry course or what have you. Um, I also went in and worked in my dad's lab. And to me, working with ethanol was not different from working with water or cooking oil because it was just one more, one more material. So I think that's a lot of that is where, where, how I got here. But specifically to your question, I, I went to school in Philadelphia, but actually left. I went to a great school. I was more privileged. And I went to Friends Select School in Philadelphia, which was a great school to go to, um, to attend. It was relatively inner city Philadelphia, but it was a very supportive learning environment. And so I was encouraged in my interests um, and kept largely kept out of trouble. I went to a really interesting school called Deep Springs College that actually I encourage people to find out about if they're they're interested in something different because uh, that's a small school of 24 students uh, out in the high desert near Bishop, California. And the students own the school. Uh, it was a place I could go and, and learn to uh, to do useful, what I saw as useful things in the world. Like I learned to weld. I learned to catch a chicken. And it's a working ranch and a, a working we had uh, as a cattle ranch and uh, a farm as well. We had uh, hundreds of acres under under cultivation. So I got a lot of, I like getting skills. I like to know how to do things. I like to know how to work with things. And then from there, I went back to Temple University in Philly and finished up my, my chemistry degree. I, I got a degree in chemistry with an emphasis on physical chemistry. And during that process, I discovered that I loved lasers and photochemistry and it had always bothered me why the light came through the window and not through the wall and i got to really talk about why that happened and and uh and that was really exciting for me and then go ahead can you tell us what why why is that <laughs> sir if you think about it it has to do with resonance and absorption and so if you if i have a bell and you have a bell that's tuned to the same pitch and i ring my bell your bell starts to ring Okay, without me touching my bell, you you ring you your, bell, your bell. My bell to start ringing. The, the wavelength of my bell rings your bell at a distance. Now that's a, a compression wave, and it's different from an electromagnetic wave in some fundamental ways. But in some ways, waves are waves. So if you're paddling at the right speed, you can catch that wave. And if your board is the right length for that wave, it's a lot easier to catch. So there are ways that when matter interacts with a wave, the spacing, essentially the, the tendency to ring matters. And the fact is visible light doesn't ring the bells of the window. And so it keeps going unimpeded. If you have infrared light, doesn't, or UV light, you can't, it's hard to get a sunburn through a window because the window is relatively opaque to that. It's just that our eyes don't see that, right? That's why, I mean, we chose glass windows because they work really well. Like the lead window never took off because it doesn't let any light through to us, even though it would let some light through it. That really gets at, I think, what makes me feel so happy in my career every day is that as I have deepened my understanding of materials and why, not only what they do and how they are, but why, it has just fundamentally enriched my experience of life. 
I, I think people often see science as a really dry, it's, oh my God, you took PCHEM? That was so dry, it almost killed me. For me, it's just, it's put more magic in the world. I, I remember someone saying, oh, you know, I would hate to know about all that stuff because it takes the magic out of everything. No, it doesn't. Quite the opposite. It just sort of reveals more levels of magic. Yeah, absolutely. I, there are all these wonders within these these world of, of chemistry, right? You're learning how the, the world works at the smallest level that we can. And it's incredible. It is. And not that we have it right. I mean, learn, learning what it works is sort of an arrogant statement in some ways because it's a model. I've, I used to teach, um, when I was teaching general chem, I would say, this is all, you know, understand this is this is a lie. This is not truth or reality. It's just a model. It's a really useful predictive model, though. I mean, I'll stick with my model over some other models any day, but it's not truth. Yeah, an important distinction. All right, let's let's move forward now to to where you are today. We want to hear what what is it like to to be in your shoes when you show up to work on a, in a in a normal, not unprohibited world, where you can interact with people. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Right. Well, I'm I'm actually at work now because we're considered an essential service. This is pharma, and you know, let me say the obligatory disclosure. I'm not speaking for my company or or any of that. I'm just speaking as the the individual Tycho, Tycho speaker. But um, it doesn't disclose anything to say that AbbVie and Allergan before it doesn't have a big vaccine program. So uh, I can't say that we're we're doing you know, we're coming out with a vaccine next week or something like that, but we're doing everything that we can to contribute. And what I would say is in in my normal day, uh, I am working with with a variety of projects now at director level. You don't sort of have just one thing. You start out, you're working at the bench on your stuff. And then as you get better at doing what you do and have a more comprehensive knowledge, well, you might start to have a few projects going. And then if the, in the normal progression of things, if you get to the right level, you start to begin to hand stuff off to people because you, you have too many projects to do them all effectively yourself. AbbVie actually has a really nice framing of it that work should be a learning environment. And so it's kind of like going back to school in a lot of ways. It's just that a lot of the things that I found challenging about being in academia during my brief time there are, are not there. Number one, you're trying to make something. You're trying to make a product. And at the end of the day, it's less about your reputation. You're not trying to get funding for stuff. Professors are under a, an awful lot of guns to meet all their obligations and keep their programs going. Here, the, the success is dictated by whether you bring a good product out for patients. And everybody's interested in that. And everybody's pushing that along. You hear stuff about pharma companies that it is unappealing. And I think at some levels of businesses, they're going to be unappealing. There'll, there will be people making decisions for reasons that I can't necessarily relate to. But, but I swear, everybody that I work with is just dedicated to doing a good job and doing what's right. It's like, how do we do this and really know that something is going to be safe? Not, well, it should be safe and not should be effective. How do you know? And it's like your your knife gets sharper and sharper in making those distinctions about that's not going to really tell us this other experiment's going to really tell us and so that's that's just a delight to me how can you talk about some of the the skills that you've built along this way 
any any sort of hard set of skills that you think that uh, have been particularly helpful for for you in doing this sort of work? Absolutely, I would say maybe surprisingly, English skills, language skills, communication skills have been enormously important to me, and and I still really try to work on having precise expression because as you talk about ideas that become more complex making those distinctions and choosing the right word to express what you mean is super important it's it's always a useful thing to be able to to articulate complex ideas in a way that effectively communicates them to the other person because otherwise you can have a great idea and if you can't communicate it it's going to go nowhere and it may be the the other person might actually and the other person might be your boss or their boss and if they don't get it they might not go there in the program they, that program might not get funded even though they might have wanted to do it if they'd understood what you meant so i, I would say that articulate expression and really watching watching the use of languages has been huge for me but also corresponding to that the visual representation of data if you have data and you just stuff it into the most convenient PowerPoint or Excel plot, it's probably going to be really colorful and it may pop in your presentation, but it may be really hard to understand what the data means. And so, and I would refer people to the work of Edward Tufte, T-U-F-T-E, as a just a brilliant, brilliant presenter of this kind of framing of things. And there are a lot of good people in, in data visualization, but like art or a good photograph, composition means a lot. And you should be able to layer the information, whether you're doing it verbally or visually or however you're doing it, you should be able to layer the information in a way that lets the, lets the meaning come across and lets the data be visualized so that the, the viewer or the reader or the listener can draw their own conclusion given the same evidence. We, I have students, I hope you've caught a, a theme among our guests recently. Communication is key. I, I'm really glad you talked about this, Taika. We've had so many guests come on here recently, and every one of them says, says something about communication and how important it is. And a lot of them, too, uh, uh, happen to be in the sciences. A lot of I know myself when I went into the sciences, I did definitely, as an undergraduate, have this thought of, all right, I'm in chemistry. English is behind me now. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact opposite. You, I need to. I had to get so much better at understanding my own language so that I can do this subject better. So, excellent, excellent. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD ninety point seven FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're speaking with Dr. Tycho Speaker and learning about his career journey to becoming a. Uh, excuse me, I'm actually. Are, in your note, you have director. Are you director of research? Uh, director of? I'm director level position for drug delivery and biomaterials. Um, I would say fundamentally, if, if people say, what do you do? I would say I'm a pharmaceutical chemist. What's the biggest misconception when you, when you say to someone that you're a pharmaceutical chemist? What, what's the, are there any misconceptions that you get well, that are pretty common? Uh, I often get a breaking bad response. Um, and, and especially when it goes into drug delivery, people say, yeah. so you doing the drop-offs? And I have to <laughs> sometimes we're not part of, part of the like pharmacies without walls program where I grew up in Philly. Uh, it's, it's yeah. not like that. No, no, I think, I think that's enough for, for most people to say, oh, that's something I have no understanding. Of. Yeah. <laughs> Don't really sure. want to hear about it. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. The uh, misconceptions. I don't know if I have any particular misconceptions except that it's somehow intimidating. And that, you know, what I go back to is, yeah, I'm a cook. That's what it, what it boils down to. It does. All right. So we have some interesting questions. One from our teacher here. How are these medicines structured differently to allow for deep absorption versus shallow absorption? Okay, we'll get it. Here's lang that language thing popping up. So the medicine, um, specifically, I'm going to take that as to mean the, the composition, including the active ingredient that's going to have a pharmacological activity, and then, then there's the rest of it. So there's the, it's a vanilla cake or whatever, and vanilla is the flavor, but the rest of it's the cake. So we don't usually get to choose so much what drug is going to be particularly active. So the active agent is the active agent because it has this effect on cells or on, a, on an organ system or what have you. Once in a while, you get to sort of pick a flavor among them based on, oh, this one's going to have a lot better skin penetration properties or not. But basically... Your skin is an extraordinarily effective barrier. It's armored leathery plates with this liquid wax structure between them that is also set up like bricks and mortar so that there's, it's very difficult to get stuff to absorb into the skin. And there are a number of tricks that we have finding, again, looking at the, the properties of the materials we're working with, rather than trying to battle something and, and push it in, it's better if you find something that already likes to dissolve in that stuff. And so you typically find, uh, if you're trying to promote absorption, then you'll find something that normally, because of its own character, tends to dissolve into the waxy, their phospholipids. They're not really waxy, but they act as if they are. These really ordered, oily materials that reside in the surface of your skin you can find something that dissolves into that, but that doesn't the the solvent then doesn't necessarily dissolve the drug that you want. So then you have to find something to kind of bridge those two. So you you start with something that will dissolve the drug. You start with the other thing that will dissolve into the skin, and then you find ideally try to find something that bridges between those two things so that everything will dissolve together and make a nice solution. That's one way if you want to promote skin uptake. And in fact, when that's hindered by molecules being really large because then they diffuse slowly or molecules having a lot of charge or being either very polar and water soluble or very water insoluble and nonpolar. So they don't even want to dissolve in your skin oils. All of those things are limitations. And sometimes when we were at Transderm, we worked with interfering RNA. RNA uh, is a nucleic acid. You've got your DNA. A copy of the particular instruction of interest is copied from your DNA into an RNA message that goes out into the cell manufacturing machinery. You can put in a complementary one that sticks to it and kind of jams the machinery on that one, and it gets clean, that cleans up all your cell. Your cell cleaning crew comes along and says well, that one's broken. Get rid of it, and you can effectively downregulate expression of a gene by putting in this sort of reverse copy that sticks to the one you want to knock down. And we're working on a rare skin disorder where it was a, an extremely painful, blistering, callous condition with a very well-characterized genetic basis. So there's this one bad keratin that was manufactured in the outer layers of the skin. The, the condition's called pachyonychia congenita. 
And it's not an important rare disease, but what we say is if you have it, it's a really important rare disease. And in work with that great patient organization, we're trying to deliver this interfering RNA to shut down that gene expression. And nothing we could do in a topical formulation would get this interfering RNA to go into the skin, not at a consistent level and a high level that we wanted. Therefore, we said, can't do that. Let's do microneedles. And that was the basis for our pursuing a dissolvable microneedle technology that Transderm actually took pretty far in, into the world. Okay, so just to, so I can try and try and help digest some of Sorry this. Sorry about that. Because, man, wow, that's okay. So, so when it comes to it, well, I'm go, I'll imagine a, a, a transdermal patch, so to speak, of, of something that a patch that you put on your skin that has medicine on it. And when you're when you're designing the the patch and how things are released from that, you're not you're not just looking at okay, here are the things that I need to, the med here's the medicine that I need to go into the skin. How should I you're not just asking how should I structure this patch? You're saying what is in the body and in the skin already that will help our material just absorb and go through and dissolve in there. So you you have these two you're not looking at one thing. You have very two directions that you have to look in. And so I think I think I understand that now. But when it comes to the the dissolvable micro needles, I, I'm a, I'm a bit more lost there. Is this is this also are these needles that are uh, again embedded within a, a patch, or how how are these administered? Think of a very short, spiky lawn, something like that. There's a, a thin layer of material, and then one millimeter projections coming off of that sheet. So you've got a sticker with mm -hmm. tiny, tiny needles poking out of it. And those needles dissolve when they go into the wet layers of the skin. And so that was the technology we gotcha. developed as, as part of that. Yeah, essentially the, the previous example where you've got just the transdermal patch and, a, and you're trying to do it with solubility, it's essentially you're trying to get everybody to get along together and play nice and, and solubilize into each other. And then there's, you know, do you want it to last a long time? Do you want it to work quickly? There, there are many layers on top of that. It's still cookery. It's just a more complex cake. Now you're making a layer cake or it's got icing on it and stuff like that. Sometimes you just can't win that battle. And then it's worth looking at an alternative delivery system. And sometimes that system is out there. You can use something that someone else has already developed. And sometimes you need to cook one up on your own. And that's where, you know, Deep Springs, my Deep Springs experience helps me out because we fix an awful lot of stuff with baling wire or duct tape. and. Sometimes you need to, having those skills to make it work small scale. It, it's not as if you're going to go on forever with baling wire and duct tape, but but if you can rig something up that does the job, then you can go back and do it with better intention and more more thought. But you've got the the essence of does this work? So that initial feasibility. One of the things uh, about my team here in Santa Cruz, uh, continuing on as AbbVie, that makes me most proud is their ability, our ability collectively to really rapidly prototype new approaches, new systems, new products. That, that really fast innovation is something that I think is actually characteristic of a lot of the Santa Cruz biotech community. I think we're getting known as a real hub of innovation. Yeah, incredible, really. Yeah. I, I want to second what our teacher is saying, that it's absolutely fascinating, this discussion. I, I really appreciate this. Now, another question here. Do you have an example of something that you, you just knew was correct, 
until all of a sudden you realized it wasn't. Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't... Going back to that idea that there's, you know, there's objective truth, and then there's your model of what objective truth is, I'd say that the, the second you notice yourself absolutely knowing something is correct, you, you should probably check yourself right then, because you should assume that you've got an incomplete understanding and that you'll never have a complete understanding. And, and that's what a model's for. That's what science done properly is, is working with the best information you've got and then looking at taking the most interest in the parts that don't line up. It's the opposite of confirmation bias. It's, it's actually the interesting part. I like the expression that if you have a meeting and everybody in the meeting agrees, probably you didn't need to have the meeting in the first place. And it probably wasn't a very useful meeting. It's much more interesting when there are at least, you might have, have general agreement around the what, but the how, you should be having disagreements there. That's, that's what's interesting. That's what moves you forward. Yeah. Do I have a specific example? I would say my examples are not very interesting. Basically, I'm sure something's going to dissolve in something else. And then it turns out that I have it completely wrong or that, you know, usually at this point in my career, at least I have had enough of those experiences and I have a good enough encyclopedia of specific experiences trying to dissolve a lot of what I do is try to dissolve stuff or try to make it not dissolve one or the other. Mm -hmm. And so usually when I have one of those surprises, it's more of a, of course, I, you know, why didn't I think of it that way now, as opposed to, wow, that's, I don't understand that at all. And if, if you're in the place where you say, wow, I don't understand that at all, you should probably think about writing a patent on it because that means it's probably novel. Then you just have to figure out how to make it useful and and uh, there's probably some intellectual property there. <laughs> All right, Tycho, do you have any outgoing advice that you'd like to leave our listeners off with um, regarding lessons that you've learned along along your career path, right? Where we have a group of eighth grade students still left in the audience and m many others of different demographic who will be listening to this later. So what what do you have to say? What I have to say is whatever you're currently doing as a career or a chore, if you're in eighth grade or earning your allowance or whatever you're doing, just try to do it with interest and attention and see if there's a way to do it better. And that, that framework will, number one, make, usually make the job more interesting. And even if, it's, even, if it's a, even if you're shoveling manure, you can get through it. If nothing else, if you get better at shoveling manure, then you can do it faster and you get through and go out and play or whatever you're going to do. But the the learning, the habit of trying to do things in a way that's, that's a little better than you might have otherwise done them will serve you all the way through. And often the lessons that you learn, the, the approaches that you take will transfer into very different situations. So I had at one point a job at Deep Springs breaking ice at four in the morning. I'd have to go around and break ice on the irrigation ditches because they'd, they'd plug up. And you know, you just you just try to do that in, in an effective way. And, and what did I learn from that? Probably I learned about which direction to break it from. Because if the stream is flowing in one direction you, and you break too much ice there without letting it clear, you just make a log jam and it all freezes together again and you have to break up more. So even it's, it, with something as sort of simple-minded and dumb as that, there's a better way to do it and there's a worse way to do that. And looking at that order of operations, hey, I still do a lot of order of operations work today because it makes a huge difference sometimes. But yeah, do things with attention and, and integrity and they're more enjoyable and, and they, they move you forward. The other thing I have is 
if you have an impulse to do something positive in the world and you have any sort of framework about that, I want to help people. I want to help people who are sick. I want to help people have clean water. I want to help, help the humans live here without degrading the environment. Great. Whatever it is, you may not always have a job that appears to directly align with that, but that doesn't prevent you from continuing to face that direction and try to walk in that direction. And you're likely to have multiple jobs through your lifetime. You can always move a little closer to that goal. Thank you so much for being here today, Tycho. Again, I really, really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a great pleasure to me as well. Thanks for, thanks for your interest and uh, enjoyable conversation. All right. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and this is our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Dr. Tycho Speaker, the Director of Drug Delivery and Biomaterials, or Pharmaceutical Chemist, with AbV. And if you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays, stream online at ksqd.org, or visit our website, yfiob.org, for more ways to listen. Thank you, and see you next time.